RadioInfluence.com Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Kershell here. We are your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Questions, comments, smart remarks. Get to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. If you have questions or you're looking for information or if you need some help, write to us. We answer every single message that we get. And you guys have got us thinking about things. We've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas because if you're thinking it, you can imagine all the other people out there that have the same question. And, you know, you guys get us thinking about it. We challenge us to get you guys thinking about things. And it's a great relationship. So please do write to us. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. And on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, you can get me at uh, Crush Performance. We're just going to hook you up with great performance. A lot of cool new things going on there, too. New website. We're going to be doing some stuff on the uh, YouTube channel. And uh, we're going to be announcing... Uh, some courses and some development stuff we've been working on here over the last few weeks. Coming up this uh, summer, the rest of this summer and into the fall, we've got a couple big, big projects. Coming off of last week's show, we are going to do a deep dive. How do we justify adding the brain to the top priorities of performance for, for crush performance priorities? Of course, you know, if you listen to the show, that our top priorities, number one, above and, and beyond all else, Rest, recovery, and sleep. Sleep's the number one priority in human performance, without question. And these priorities, of course, are written in stone. These crushed top four priorities are written in stone until somebody convinces us to change it. Nobody's been able to yet. So we start off with rest, recovery, and sleep. A close second, nutrition, hydration. Then posture, range of motion, making sure the body's lined, balanced, and functioning properly. And then we teach movement. And then from that, everything else flows. Depending on the sport, the individual, the level of training, the level of competition, everything else flows after those four. But if those four aren't addressed properly, we're really limiting chances of success. That's our theory, and we're sticking with it right now. But there is a kink in the plan. We have been talking about this for years, and you guys know that uh, one of my passions has been brain and brain performance, visual performance, but also the psychology side, the mental side of sport. The brain encompasses so much. You also know, if you listen to the show, that I firmly believe that the next great leaps in human performance lie within technology. Of course, the equipment that we, that we use and all this incredible stuff that the companies out there are doing for us, but also in the mind and the technology that's going to allow us and is allowing us to train and work with the mind in virtual real time. I mean, it's incredible what we're able to do. We are able to do things now and train the mind in ways we were never able to um, up until this point. And it's going to open up windows of opportunity for the athletes to get it and for the organizations to get it. Of course, we're just on the front edge of this, but um, there is a whole new world of performance coming. So that brings us to last week's episode. Do we add the brain? Do we add a fifth priority to the crush priorities of performance? And now the priorities, of course, they're the things that must be addressed in order for a person to achieve their potential. We don't know how good you can get. Don't let anybody tell you how bad you are. Don't let anybody tell you how good you are. Take it humbly. 
Take it in stride, but don't believe a thing you say. We don't know and we will not know until you go through a good process. And to set an athlete up for a good process, you need to be set up properly. And that is making sure that you're addressing above and first and foremost, your quality of recovery, your rest periods, all the work and the intensity of work you do is going to have to revolve around that. And then of course your sleep, your sleep's really going to be the main influencer on your ability to learn, perform, react, recover, right? And then nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and then of course movement. And then boom, everything else flows after that. Our job is to develop incredible, well-rounded, robust, adaptable athletes, hand them over to the coaches where technical training, tactical training, talent development really happen. And when you have that marriage in an organization or in a developmental model, we will find out how good you can get. But we don't know. You don't know how good you can be until you go through a process. So, you know, if you're not one of the top performers right now, depending on what your age is and depending on where you're at in your career, let's find out where you're at and let's find out what you need to do in order to get better. And that's one of the Huge opportunities that's in front of us right now with this massive global COVID shutdown. And it, trust me, it is an opportunity. It's a massive opportunity and you have to take advantage of it. And today on the show, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about taking advantage of this opportunity shutting down, but we're also going to talk about the process of development and some of the key elements in developing athletes as pro sports rumble back to life. I want to get into this conversation and we are very happy to announce that we're going to be joined by yet another crush all-time favorite, Dave Turgeon, AA manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Dave's former position was a really interesting one. Uh, it took me um, uh, by surprise when I heard this title because I hadn't heard it before. His previous position with um, the Pirates was coordinator of instruction. And of course, that was how the coaches you know, instruct the players, how the players learn uh, from the instruction, but also instructing the coaches on how to coach the players. It's just a great, great spin on things. Dave is an absolute wealth of knowledge. And of course, he's been in the game for 30 years in high performance sports for 30 years. And though this conversation is going to revolve around baseball, um, this is going to go well beyond baseball. There are developmental principles that just resonate across the lands, regardless of what sport you're in. But this conversation today is going to resonate even beyond beyond sports. So I'm really, really happy to be able to talk to Dave Turgeon today as we take on the return of sport. And listen, Major League Baseball uh, camps are open, training camps are open. They are going to start their season in an interesting format. They're going to travel around city to city and play uh, an abbreviated season, get into a World Series. Hopefully, if all goes well, there will be hiccups along the way, of course, and there already have been. Uh, but they're going through this for the first time. And thank goodness they're going to the effort and the lengths to, to make it happen. NHL camps open today, this very day, Monday, July 13th. And with hopes of the season kicking off um, August 1st, it's going to be a two conference playoff sort of run for the Stanley cup. As the teams enter their hub cities, their sort of biodome, so to speak, Edmonton and Toronto were the two cities selected way, way up North. Good luck to them. We watch with great interest. And of course the NBA inside the, bubble of the Disney wide world of sports. Fantastic facility. That's going to go well. I'm a little concerned about baseball traveling around, but if everybody follows the rules and they keep the testing going, it's going to be great. I mean, we've seen it happening 
over on the Pacific Rim. We've seen Taiwan and Korea baseball going down. We've seen MLS soccer uh, kicking off here. And, of course, soccer going for a while, uh, football going for a while in, in Europe. We've watched those with great interest, and they've given us hope because they're doing it. There'll be no fans. It's going to be an interesting landscape. But we're going to watch all of these sports come to life, and it's going to be so good for everybody. Whether you're a fan of sport or not, this is going to be a good thing for the kids, for the minor league players whose seasons are canceled, for the college players who don't know what's going on yet. Just watching sport, knowing there's somewhere to go, watching these guys and these ladies play their sport. Uh, some of the Olympic sports get underway. Um, it's just going to be good for everybody. It really, truly is. So we're really excited and we're wishing everybody the best in safety and health as we work our way through this thing, slow and steady. But hey, the return of sport is upon us. And today we're going to talk about the long game of development, dealing with this shutdown. And we're going to get into the conversation of analytics with Dave Turgeon, AA manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, right after this. Stick around, everybody. we got a big conversation coming up. This is Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information with Jeff Crushell. Get in the action and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. We are your weekly source for performance information. Hey, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance to drop all your questions, your comments, or your smart remarks. We love them all. We answer every single one of them, so please do write to us. Well, today, we are talking about the return of sport. Okay, It is coming back, and thank goodness for that. It gives us all hope. I think it's going to be good for society as a whole. But what a trying time this has been for everybody involved in sport top-down, from the grassroots right up to the business people at the very, very top of the highest levels of sport. This has been a trying time. We're all working through it together, but working through it is important in understanding the process and the, uh, 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 the things that you need to be looking at in this new landscape we're in is really, really important. And here to help us break down and have a look at this new landscape, the analytics of sport, the COVID shutdown, and the return of sport is Crush Favorite, Dave Turgeon, AA manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Turge, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to have you back on the show. Crush, it's awesome to connect with you again, as always. Yeah, so good to have you back on. And very timely as well, you know, with sport, uh, pro pro sports for sure, uh, rumbling back into a start in these crazy, crazy times. I guess first and foremost, Dave, how have you been doing? How's the family doing? And I know this has been a challenging time for uh, all the players, not just in baseball, but certainly uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. So this has been an interesting time, no question. Surreal at times, just going through something like this and obviously it's the first for everyone. We've never really had anything like this. Um, kind of a perfect storm. We, uh, the pirates are in transition, uh, with leadership change. Um, there was a, a major overhaul of, of leadership. Um, we, we lost a lot of uh, teammates with, uh, with some changes there. I I'm still here, uh, happily. Um, and then COVID came as well. Um, and then with COVID, the, the, the most challenging thing, I, would, I don't know if it's the most challenging, but one of the most challenging things for, for this thing is we've ne- we never had a date to look forward to. It was always, it was always speculation, right? So, so it's almost, it's hard to, to have to ramp up or ramp down because you don't have these dates like spring training starts on April 1 or my off season begins on November 1st. My, 
periodization for training starts on December 1st, whatever, whatever those dates are that are really important to coaches and players. We just, we just have never, they just kept moving, you know, they just kept moving the goal line on us and, and, and we just were kind of out here. So a lot of challenges and obviously uh, besides, you know, the virus itself, um, uh, the mental challenges of this thing, I think, would have been the most uh, challenging of all. And, um, you know, you just got to have, you know, talking about connecting with players. We, you know, we all have a call that we, we we connect with some of the players that we probably would have had this year, probably have next year. Um, and in connecting with those guys, just trying to have extreme empathy for where they're at and, um, you know, uh, to help them through it, help guide them through it. I'm to be quite honest, I'm feeling my own way through it, and just to, to be able to find uh, some form of a routine uh, early uh, to to hit the different areas of body, mind, spirit, and all that kind of stuff. Because my job usually provides the structure for all those things, and now I was at home and uh, had to figure that out. So, been a really really challenging time it's been a it's been a rewarding time i spent a ton of time with my parents my parents are 90 um i can never i can can never remember spending this amount of time with them before um our youngest 18 year old uh was home with us during that time so that's another silver lining um so i i I will tell you that it has been a really good reconnection period with my family because i've been on the i've been on the road working in this this industry for over 30 years so it's it's been the first time for me i i put it this way i have a much deeper appreciation for what my wife has done to run our household Um, (laughs) having being being home and i utmost respect and she sees how absolutely inept i am and and not handy (laughs) so it's been a great understanding from both sides i'm laughing because i'm right there with you oh these incredible <laughs> incredible people that back us up man oh it's incredible oh, it's amazing <laughs> yeah it is totally amazing hey we're talking with dave turgeon he is the double a manager in the pittsburgh pirates organization dave um the organization itself has been a unique organization a smaller market but always unique always competitive but always on the cutting edge as well your former position was coordinator of instruction which i love that title um, is very unique to me. The mm-hmm. first time I heard it, I didn't really know what it was all about because I hadn't heard something like that before. But uh, there's a new era. And I think, you know, um, after mm-hmm. our conversations over the years, um, I can just imagine how you're communicating with your players in these troubled times because, you know, it's it's this is going to be, as you mentioned, all about problem solving. These lives yeah. have been turned upside down. Now, you know, keeping things in perspective, of course, the, the big picture of this COVID pandemic and some of the great, 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 Heart, uh, heartbreaking losses people have experienced. Um, life mm-hmm. goes on, and you know we just have to find our our, our way through it. You know, from our perspective in mm-hmm. sport. Um, but you know, I think back to when this thing uh, uh, really, really took over. Just heading into the major league season, uh, teams are ready to go. Everybody's excited. Boom, um, the the door gets slammed shut. But then I think about the college students missing March Madness. Um, the high school oh. students and, and graduating students that, that, that miss the rite of passage of a proper graduation. Uh, we've adapted and some really, really cool things have come out of it. But but this is going to be, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, all about problem solving and figuring out where you are and what we're yep. going to do. And, and um, you know, as we head into the major league season here, that's going to be critical moving forward as well. 
No question. I, I think that if you if you don't have that adaptability uh, trait, um, you, you do now. And if you don't, then then you're probably not going to have a ton of opportunity. I think the ability to adapt and pivot is uh, it's important always. But I think in this time, I think it's critical. You know, and I think um, you know where before you might have thought, well, this is impossible. We can't do this. We can't train this way. We can't connect this way. And all of a sudden, you know, we're finding ways. So I, again, you, you can look at it any way you like. Um, I think, to your point, I think there's way more good coming out of this than bad. Um, you know, and I think you know there's there's been some opportunities. I, I think. I was a 22nd round pick in 87, right? So parents came up with a thousand bucks. The Yankees took it for my signing bonus. And then uh, I I think back, I wouldn't have had an opportunity. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you because this year the draft was essentially banged. They did five rounds. They signed a few free agents. The minor league season's been banged. So there is not a ton of opportunities uh, afforded to those guys like me, those 22nd rounders that knew how to play. They just weren't very talented, but they could hang around. Uh, but I look at it today also as, well, maybe this will be a rejuvenation of independent baseball. Maybe, maybe that'll get cranked up again. Yeah. Um, when we figure, when we figure out how to do all these things safely, but I don't know, I, I, I find it, uh, like, like you talked about, you know, the ability to adapt and pivot is, it's going to be critical. Uh, it is, it is for anyone to stay relevant in whatever business that you're in anyway. Um, I, I think, I think this thing has kind of forced a hand on some people. Um, I see a lot of people, uh, actually getting in charge of their own personal development during this time at home, reading more, uh, getting certified in some things. It's pushed people to do some things. And I think that's, like I said, I think that there's more positives than negatives. Um, but I think it is horrible to that. The, the, the minor league season, uh, the horrible end of this, in my opinion, is, is, uh, talking to, you know, even a GM and the owner of the alternate curve, the, our double a club and people that they've had to lay off furlough, layoff, uh, loss of, of, of money, revenue, uh, the amount of money uh, that comes into a town, uh, during the course of a 142 game summer is significant, you know, and, and that, that means all restaurants and the ripple effect of, uh, with the hotels and the ripple effect with the town folk of having that thing to wake up and look forward to it in the evening. So there's, there's a lot of stuff when you think about it and really, you know, the, the, there is a huge ripple effect from this, um, that you, you, I don't want to forget that either. So, yep, I agree, Dave. And it's an important thing that this is far, far reaching beyond sport. There's no question about it. And when you talk about those small towns, think of all those minor league teams. You're right. And this is the thing that people uh, don't think about. You know, all we're seeing on the news right now is major league camps open. And it's a very unique mm -hmm. setting there as well. Of course, you know, very, sure. very restricted, very restricted access to the players. Um, the clubhouse is pretty much shut down. Uh, only key personnel yep. are involved there. And um, it's going to mm -hmm. be interesting to see how that unlies. But how important right now for all those minor league players, all those little league players who aren't getting to play uh, to see their heroes on TV or to see the pros back in action to maybe spark that fire again. And for the fans, just society in general, I think 
having pro sport back is more important than, than we might think beyond, beyond just the business of sport. I'm from a society standpoint, something to distract us, something to cheer for something, you know, to put on your Jersey and watch a game and watch your team, you know, battle. I I just so important. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'll tell you what, I, I, I am so with you on that crush. It is. So I, we are praying uh, that this season gets off and it, it goes off and there's not too many glitches. There's going to be some glitches because yeah. they're actually trying to figure it out as they go along. We're praying this thing goes off. We, we need it. Baseball is a tremendous outlet. People rally around it. Think about the, the office. If you go to the office, the office culture, what, what they're talking about, the, you know, just the diversion from reality and sport is the is a, is huge. It's fun. It's all encompassing. It brings people together. I mean, you can escape the politics. You can escape a lot of things. And then the game itself is awesome. I mean, it's just an awesome, awesome game. And I think, like to your point, for the for the season that was canceled for the minor leaguers, they need that inspiration. They need to see their guys. They need the ignition. They need the fuel to keep the workouts going. To try and keep their development going because. This season, there might not even be a fall prospect league for us in Arizona and Florida because of the spike. I don't know how that's going to play out, but there, I, I truly believe that you know by this thing, this season getting off, I think it's going to be a tremendous thing for everybody. Um, I, I, I'm, from a personal perspective, I mean, I've been watching Korean baseball on TV most days just yeah. to get keep my head just to keep the chess match in my head going a little bit as a manager. And uh, one of my, one of our former hitting coaches, our triple A hitting coach, Ryan Long is over there. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're in close contact and texting and calling and those kinds of things. And, and uh, it's, it's good to talk shop with someone that's in it. He's in the grind already. They play like, I think they play 140 games over there, but uh, you know, they've done it and they've, they've, they've gotten it off. They've done it safely. And, they figured it out and they haven't got fans in there yet. Got friends in Taiwan that said that, man, the, our country came back to life when they started, you know, having games in Taiwan, they got the Chinese yes, professional man. baseball league rolling. They, uh, they've started to allow the fans in there. And a couple of my buddies have sent me some, you know, some really cool videos where they've had, you know, 15, 12 to 15,000 folks and, uh, you know, enjoying some baseball, enjoying some, some competition, having some beer, having some hot dogs, you know, just the whole thing. And, um, but yeah, I, I think it is critical crush. I, I completely am with you on that. And it's just on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We're talking with Dave Turgeon, double A manager for the Pittsburgh pirates. Um, Dave, you know, it, it is fun. And you know, <laughs> you mentioned the, uh, the, the baseball going on over there. Uh, as soon as it started, I mean, that gave me hope. I said, hey, look, if they're doing it over there, uh, it can be done. Yes. And, you know, we were watching it very, very closely to see how it would all roll out and it rolled out very well. The first game I saw was, it was a, uh, the, the Taiwan Taiwanese league. And the first game I was watching, cause I wake up in the morning and there's baseball on TV. I'm going, hallelujah. How great is this? <laughs> and it's actually it's really so good. It's really good baseball. Um, it was bases oh, loaded. Yeah. It was like, you know, full count, two out, grand slam. The first game, I, the, oh. first, the first at bat I actually watched was a grand slam. I'm going, oh, baseball's back, baby. Here we go. 
It was, yeah. And everybody on the field was just cheering and jumping up and down. And, you know, that's on the other side of the earth. And here I am in my, my, my room up in Northern Canada cheering for these guys. I don't even, I don't even know the name of the team. And I'm going, yeah, Grand Slam, man. <laughs> Woo. Oh my goodness, Dave. Yeah, let's, yeah. Hey, let's talk about these it's minor. Great. Yeah. Let's talk about these minor league players. You know, you, you, there is, there's two paths to take here. Okay. The cancellation of the minor league season. What a massive blow to sports. So, so a couple of things that maybe, maybe I'll start here. I want to run this by you. Okay. This is, this is going to lead to a deeper yeah. conversation. Um, but uh, one of the things I'm really missing about this baseball season is we're really tracking some data here. We're tracking player injuries. We're looking at this at these new rules that are going to be in place for baseball. I was really looking forward to the season, not just to see the guys play, but to see how the trends continue here. Because we've never seen a game, a professional sport, change as quickly and as dramatically as professional baseball. Analytics and stats have really driven that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the things that, that, that's been really intriguing to me is, is the injury rates and some of the new rules. Of course, the extra added days of rest last year. For the first time in, I think, six or seven years, we saw an actual decrease in the injury rates in Major League Baseball. Unfortunately, minor, minor League Baseball, the injury rates were, were still climbing. But with the added uh, um, man on the roster, some of the changes to, to the rules and, and uh, of course, those added extra days, there's some really cool things going on in baseball, uh, very progressive, which we haven't seen before but but i'm really going to miss the season not just for the competition and everything but also to see the trends and and how the development's going as well well you know you're hitting a, a part of something that it's been slow on the take but the idea the whole topic of recovery right and then uh, managing work volume and uh, managing work volume versus development, you know, development and how far is it before you're, you, you're not developing and you're actually hurting or injuring. So, um, uh, we, we, you and I have talked about this in the past and I think that it, it is a, is a industry and I'm talking about baseball and I, I, I don't want to misspeak, but it is an industry that is slow to, to change. It's very steep in tradition. And when the culture is, hey, man, show up, be the first one at the park and the last one to leave, you go ahead and do that for 162, all right, and see where you're at. And if you're playing this game every day, you're probably going to end up in intensive care unit because it's just, it doesn't, that doesn't work, okay? The game demands a lot, you know, and the science of learning how to take care of the body, managing the work volume, being in tune with, number of bullets used, swings taken, all of that stuff. I think that change and that downtick of injuries could probably continue. Um, I yeah. think the buy-in is there. I think the new player uh, is way more educated on these things than, than when I was playing, obviously. And, and when we were playing, we were eating Cokes and hot dogs post-game. <laughs> I mean, it was... You know, doubleheader, yeah. you got a Snickers and a Pepsi pre, you know, between doubleheader games. You couldn't figure out why in the third inning game two, you're crashing. You know, you just couldn't figure it out. Um, but, but this has been a, uh, it's been a cool evolution to see it. And when I talk about recovery, I'm not just talking about managing work volume of the field. It's sleep. It's, you know, it's food intake. It's food fuel. It's, uh, it's things like having uh, that crush strength in the dugout. Okay, that specific sports drink. I'm yeah. just giving you a little quick plug there. Crush. I love it. <laughs> um, but uh, but um, 
all of that stuff is really important. And then when you, when you're talking about injury, when you talk about keeping players on the field, you're talking about money invested is a lot of money invested in these guys and for all the, the money that is spent on them and, and, you know, keeping them on the field is, is, is science. It's, it's very important. It really so, is. But uh, I, I have, yeah. And, and again, and you know, I, as a manager, I used to, you know, when you're, when you're really present for your players or your staff, you know, when guys are gassed, you know, when they need a day, you know, when they need two days. Um, it's not always physical. Sometimes it's a mental checkout. You got to regen them mentally. Um, so, you know, the stuff that you're talking about is, is, uh, critical. Uh, I think, I think major league baseball and professional baseball in general. And I mean, from top to bottom, it used to be when the changes came, it was mostly at the top. The changes have actually uh, trickled down all the way. And we have the Pirates, you know, have we have a nutritionist at each affiliate, um, you know, because we we know it's like low hanging fruit is to eat good food. It's fuel. You know, I mean, you can you can create a margin just eating right. Right. So um, and then we continue to educate them on, you know, alcohol intake, water intake, um, you know, sleep recovery. Uh, all of that stuff. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool when you watch guys make food choices in the cafeteria. It's phenomenal. I mean, we had, again, I'm dating myself, but we had uh, minor league filet mignon, which is peanut butter and jelly in a bowl of, uh, you know, chicken broth with a banana. And I mean, who doesn't, you know, how, why am I losing weight in spring training? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that revolution is, is in, I think you're going to continue and you're, you have the greatest stats. Whenever I watch you speak, you've got great stats. I mean, the number is because, because numbers are telling it's all about the data. Yeah. Okay. And so if, if you say there's a downtick, I think that's just going to continue. I think we're figuring some things out. It's a hard game, man. It's, it's, you know, it's a game. It's, it's a lot harder than people understand. And time travel is another piece that, uh, that you're recovering from besides just the game itself and the training and whatever the game requires. But time travel is really, really hard. Uh, it just messes with your clock and, and performance and your head and all that kind of stuff. So they're also, they're also figuring that out. We, I mean, the pirates, we, we have a sleep specialist. Um, you know, they had a nap room in Pittsburgh last time I was in Pitt. I was like, wow. That's good. You know, uh, it's, it's a good thing, you know, power naps. So, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's a very interesting topic and that's in your sweet spot too. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it really, really is. I mean, trying to get in front of this injury curve recovery and, you know, we talk about it all the time on this show. Our number one priority is recovery rest. Everything we do is programmed, scheduled and designed around the amount of quality and rest that our athletes can get on any given, you know, day, week, month. Um, and it's really planned out as we try to get in front of it, man, the trends were looking really, really good. <laughs> and you're right. You know, you think back to the old days, old time baseball, peanut butter and jelly and, uh, the way we used to eat, it's come a long ways. And, and of course, baseball without question is one of the most grueling schedules in all of professional sports. Some say, you know, inside of the game, it's more of a survival art of survival and it is an art of development. Yeah. And, and that's probably more truth to that 
for sure that then we give it credit to you. but you know it's all about athlete management now you had a chance to manage in the Arizona Fall League some of the best players collective players from from all mm-hmm. around the league last year what a great environment that is hopefully it happens this year fingers crossed because uh, those minor league players they need something oh my goodness and i know there's a lot of uh, yes. factors involved here but the cancellation of this uh, minor league season dave there's two ways to go here you can uh, you can be frustrated and throw in the towel and and weep and moan or you can as you mentioned and we're talking about here you man we're trying to stay sharp during this shutdown look at this as an opportunity mm-hmm. to do things you wouldn't normally do in a competitive season mm-hmm. so for every minor league player out there listening right now here's my message to you Find a way to get better. The, Dave, I can I can comfortably say this, and I'm I'm very confident in in my statement here. There is not an there is not a player on this planet that we can't help make better in some way, shape, or form. Now, the the issue is a lot of those guys, without the knowledge or the background or the years of experience, sometimes that little nugget is hard to find. Um, but but there's a way to get better, and and it, sometimes it's individual. Uh, but this is a huge. Huge opportunity, as crappy as it is to miss a season. This is a huge opportunity for minor league players, and I'm really hoping, and I know most of them are. They're looking at it. Okay, let's let's get ready for when the game returns because it's going to, right? Mm-hmm. I think that this time is critical for coaches and players to be self-reflective and then attack something. Either attack a, a weakness and make it serviceable or continue to work on a, uh, on a strength and make it to where you, it's a superpower. Um, there, there is a, this is a time. I think one of, one of our coordinators uh, had an interesting quote on one of my zoom calls recently he said, fellas, you know, we got to try and win the weight. And, and I like that because, you know, if, if you're not doing something during this time, that's helping you grow. And it, look, it doesn't always have to be a, a measurable skill on the field. Right. Um, it could be any number of things. Okay. So it could be a, a dive down on body comp or it could be a dive down on, uh, you know, who you are. It could be, um, you know, looking at your routine. Now, what, what do I need? What, why, what's keeping me out of the major leagues right now? Um, being really, really honest and having those conversations with yourself and others, I think can really help a player during this time. And, and it's the beautiful thing is here, here's the thing you ever notice. So when we, we always enjoy instructional aid because it's pure development and you're with the cats every day, man, you're, you're in there with them and you're working on stuff and a lot of one-on-one stuff. And there's no better feeling in the world, just being there with a guy trying to help him and connecting with him. Sometimes you know, it's not even about baseball, but it's pure player development, right? And I always think, man, why is this so – it's just pure development. Is that It's because, you know, the numbers that you produce and what you're working on in instructional league, it's not going on the back of your bubblegum card. And there's, there's really no pressure. It's just about getting better. And, and during the season – you know, you're in the grind. You got a, you know, you, you got another game hanging over your head that night and a tough righty on the mound that, you know, have, you haven't gotten a hit off them in two months or there's so much other pressure and stuff going on. So I look at this time as, you know, it's, it's not the season. You're, these, these numbers it, take a risk, address something. You're, you're not, this stuff is not going on the back of your bubblegum card. So why not, why not be bold and, and try to make a change somewhere. So 
like instructionally, I think this time is a period of, of growth for guys. And, and I think, uh, you know, if you're smart about it and I'm not, look, I'm not saying you, you, you go and you get your PhD in seven certifications during this time. <laughs> I'm just saying, which some try and, uh, you know, and, but I'm saying that it, it, I think you can win the weight. And I think when you think about winning the weight, it just means, did you come out of the other side of this thing? Better man, better player. That's all. I love it. And, um, yeah, I love it. We're talking with Dave Turgeon, double A manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Win the weight. That is great. We've been saying stay sharp during the shutdown, but man, oh man, I'm getting goosebumps when I think about win the weight because this is an epic, epic battle for a lot of people inside and outside of sport. There's so many things going on. And you know, it's interesting that you mentioned, you just made me think of a conversation I had with one of our uh, uh, major league players from South Africa. Now, this is not too long ago because he had a great opportunity going into, I think, his second or third year of minor league ball uh, for a kid from South Africa to get there and survive and play, you know, is is a real tribute to him and his his perseverance and the sports structure around him. So he's going, what do I do? I said, well, listen, man, you're more than baseball. Certainly work on your baseball. And this is the kind of a conversation because he was one of those players that just, I don't want to say he gets obsessed, but he just, he, he immerses himself and sometimes that can work against you as well. And, you know, the pressure of baseball, the pressure to succeed, the competitiveness yeah. of the marketplace. Um, we had this really cool conversation, Dave. I think you'll appreciate it. You know, I, I just started to say, well, hey, what else do you enjoy? Like, do you, do you, do you enjoy music? Oh, I listen to music. I said, well, hey, why don't you listen to music? Do you play an instrument? He goes, no, I haven't really played. I said, well, was, was there anything? Like? He said, this is what he said to me. He said, I, I like panoramas. I said, what? Panorama? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, like, like panoramas, you know, like when you go up hiking and all of a sudden you walk over a crest or to the edge of a cliff and all of a sudden you see the earth and it's breathtaking. I said, really? I said, he says, yeah, I got some pictures. I said, hey, send me a few pictures. And so he sent me these incredible pictures of just his hikes on, you know, in South Africa and where he was. I think he was in Hagerstown, wow. Maryland or something. He's got these. And I said, yeah, you, you take great pictures, man. I said, why don't you start like reading up on photography a little bit? You know, and get into, and you know what? Sure is, sure is, sure is Dickens, man. He he got into it and he is posting on his YouTube and his face. He is posting fantastic, fantastic pictures, but it's given him an outlet outside of baseball. So he's, when he's sure. in baseball, he's all in, man, but he's really rounding himself out with, with photography. I mean, kind of a cool conversation. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought it turned out to be really cool. It was all led by him, by the way, but it was really cool the way it turned out. Well, so I, so I, I need to check in to see some of his uh, shots, but you, you hit a point about balance um, to try to have, look, we, we know in order to be good at, at something, you're probably going to have a, an extreme lack of balance at times. Um, but there, there is a huge uh, sacrifice. If you are over overly uh, consumed by what it is that you're doing. And, and again, I've been there where you, you simply, you can burn out. All right. And so you're developing, you're not developing if you're, if you're burnt out and crispy. Um, and, and generally uh, the burnout becomes a mental and physical thing. But I think uh, the best advice you gave him was about just balance. Doesn't it always come back to that? Yeah. I yeah, it so does. It, it, it really does. And, and it's, it's funny is that during the season, you know, you you don't operate with with any form of margin in your life 
because you're trying to find little margins to win all over the place. Right. And, um, I think that you can maximize and leverage what it is that you have by having balance. Okay. As opposed to more is better. Uh, it isn't, you know, less is more. And especially in this thing where it is a day-to-day grind. And, um, I think the, the mental and physical balance of things is huge to be able to ultimately be on the field and be productive. And, and, and everything that you're talking about, the, the being consumed piece, it is, it's mental. It's the mind, Yeah, you know, and, uh, ultimately, you know, you, you have this conversation too. You and I have actually talked about, Hey, what do you think, uh, baseball is? What percent is it physical? What percent is mental? And you get numbers from guys all over the place. Right. So, um, so I always get like a coach will go, well, I, you know, they'll give me some reasoning. It's 90% physical and 10% or it's 90%. <laughs> I say, fellow, fellas, it doesn't look, let's say it's 99% physical. That 1% controls the 99. So ah, man. Amen. you can, you can sit here and split hairs all night. Uh, but if you, if you're not in a good spot there and you don't have a grasp and a perspective of this thing, it's going to consume you and um, you know, ultimately you're not going to be able to perform. And again, I've, and that comes from, you know, having suffered in this thing and learned, you know, a lot, the hard way I've seen, you know, others crash and burn. I've crashed and burned uh, on a couple of times. And um, fortunately I've been able to realize that, you know, you, you need to replug into some different things, some different outlets and take care of yourself. Hey everyone, you know how much we love our sounds from podcasts to audiobooks and our passion for music. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to. Well, technology strikes again as wireless meets earbuds. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know that Raycon earbuds started about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market and they sound just as amazing as other top brands you know. And their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. The company was co-founded by J-Ray. It's a great story as they just wanted to shake up the wireless audio industry. And as much as we love it, celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, and others are obsessed with their Raycons. And we want you to see what the hype's all about. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash crush. That's buyraycon, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash crush with a K for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Again, that's buyraycon.com slash crush with a K. Pick your earbud, the everyday, the performer, the do not disturb. It's all about you. Raycon looks better, sounds better, and they're affordable. So go change your game and make some noise. And there's more crush performance coming right up. We're talking with Dave Turgeon, the AA manager for Pittsburgh Pirates. Dave, you've been in the game for 30 years. You mentioned a very, very powerful word called balance. The game of baseball mm-hmm. has been turbulent here, especially in recent times with the addition of, mm-hmm. of course, technology. And I'm not talking about equipment technology. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about technology that's allowing us to map, 
monitor and basically know those players inside and out better than they know themselves. This push for analytics and stats to get an edge, right? And and, and it's gone. I kind of I kind of looked at it originally. Um, like a tachometer on a car. We totally redlined that bad boy. We went right and hard, all in, as hard as we could go. The engine didn't quite yeah. blow. I think we were close, but but I think we got off kilter a little bit. I think I think we're sort of gravitating back to that sort of harmonic range where you know our our energy output and and our outcomes are starting to mesh a little bit. We went a little too far, but those analytics and those numbers and the stats that we've been getting out of baseball have not just changed how we look at the game, but also how we develop the players. And and, and that's been right. a, a, an area of, I, I, could I say comfortably, a, an area of added stress for the players? Because now they're not just dealing with their opponents and you know that little white sphere that gets thrown and hit around the, the field. They're also now dealing with the analytics of the numbers. And if that isn't framed right by an organization, it can be an absolute disaster for a player, um, you know, especially players who are more vulnerable to that kind of stress. Absolutely. And perfect segue um, right there in terms of talking about balance, yeah. life balance, career balance, all the balance. I think um, when we talk about analytics and how we use them, you know, to develop our players, I, I think it's just very important to understand exactly what the player needs and then how are we going to, you know, use analytics to help them. There are going to be times when it's not about analytics, it's about demand. Let, let, me, let me rephrase that. There's a lot of times, let's say mo there's most times, Crush, when, when coaching is about demand, right. okay? And it ain't about the swing of the delivery and, you know, uh, the, you know, the slider or whatever it is. I mean, the ability to coach and connect someone through something doesn't always require it. Now, when we do use them, I'm really hyper careful on how we use them because I, I don't want players to focus on, uh, on numbers as opposed to the moment or, you know, numbers are results, right? So when you're when your focus is on the result all the time, and so if I'm chasing spin rates as opposed to quality pitches. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing because it's. I think it's scientifically proven we can't really do more than one thing at a time. Right. So if our if our attention is divided um, in, into whatever task that we're trying to do, I mean, look, our game is really hard. It's a hard skill sport. Okay. And, and if my, my, if I'm hitting and my attention goes beyond get a good pitch, make a good decision. If, if, if my attention goes beyond that, if my thought process is somewhere, is somewhere other than that, I'm probably not going to have much success. If you do that, you have a chance. It's still not going to happen for you all the time. So I think it's important, whatever, you know, noise, white noise or whatever kind of noise that we're, um, you know, putting into their life, into their head. And then I think the personality also has, can dictate how you deal with, you know, how you use that to help a guy. And yes. I think the wrong, the wrong personality, uh, you know, with a lot of, uh, info where they just become, they just get lost in the weeds and they forget to, they forget to go and just be and play because you, you've just got to be free and you've got to be yourself and you have to be able to make good decisions and problem solving on the field. So, um, so I'm, I'm very, very, uh, uh careful. Um, I am a huge advocate 
of, of analytics and sabermetrics and, and what they can do for a coach um, in terms of giving them a sharpness to the picture. Um, I am a huge advocate of using them to maybe even like the way you use stats to make people realize things. Like when I watch you speak, you, you know, you and you throw out these, this data uh, where you sit there and you go, oh, wow, okay. So then probably should be made, need to make a change here. So, or let's continue to do this. Let's continue to do this and refine it. So, you know, that's what, that's where they, they are good. But if we're, if we're consumed by that uh, all the time, I think, um, I think the focus also becomes about yourself a lot. And uh, it takes your focus away from your teammates a lot. Uh, and, and to your point earlier, talk about becoming consumed. Man, that's a lot of noise. Now, there are some players that can, they, they can handle stuff and they just, they can throw it out. They can take stuff and filter it. Boom, filter it. Filter it, filter it. You know, Jeter was one of those. He, he kept things super simple. He'd, they'd have all these stats and he'd just go, or he'd look at a couple of things and, and do his thing. He, he had to keep it and distill it down as simple as possible. He could just eliminate all the noise. And so, and, and short-term memory. And that's another great quality trait, you know, to have personality trait. But uh, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I, I, I use it as a manager. Um, to run my game, my, my positioning, my, my depths, my, my late management of a bullpen. Um, you know, I, I do matchups with it. it. You know, there are a lot of good things. Here's the kicker though. I am a, like, so again, back to balance, right? So you, it's a blend, it's a tool. Analytics is a tool to help you help the player. So ultimately you can perform and you can win games and ultimately win championships. Right. So, if we if we look at it that way and understand that the game is is played in present tense in real time, whereas analytics and stats are ancient history, and they give you trends, but they do not give you what's going to happen in real time. And if we don't have the ability to be in real time and know what we're looking at and kind of and discern what the hell is going on on the field, and then make good decisions because we're playing chess. At the highest levels, we're not playing checkers anymore. Um, you know, then then it's become too much because it because we haven't been able we we've stopped seeing it in problem solving, and that's what baseball is. It's reading reading swings, making adjustments. So you know, making adjustments off the pitching. When when I had that group in Arizona last fall, um, you know, I used all the analytics for positioning. We had a huge sample size on these guys because they had all played full season. Some of them. Big leagues, triple A, triple A, double A. So they were. It was a huge sample size, and our positioning was was pretty accurate. It's pretty extreme, um, but uh, as we broke this down to our infielders, especially the middle infielders, we know that things change, pitch to pitch, or outing to outing, with the guy on the mound and the guy at the plate. And when you know what you're looking at, you're aware of that, and you can make adjustments, and you pivot and you adjust. Back to those two words again. And so what, what, what I give my players the freedom to do, and I encourage them to do it all the time, that I, I want them to continue to think and see, is remember, fellas, these, this positioning is a starting point. This is ancient history. It doesn't mean – because tonight, my guy didn't have his sinker. He wasn't putting the ball on the ground, and he was, he was, he was pitching up his slider. 
So we had to go ahead and move our defensive shift because he was he was pounding the outer third of the play as opposed to the down and in getting the ball on the ground. Didn't have the sink. They were spitting on the sinker tonight. So whatever the, the adjustment was made by the middle, they had the freedom to do that. If they had a you know whether it was right or wrong, if they had a reason, I am all in for players thinking and seeing the game. So that's where I think. I, I want to say that the pendulum is swinging back. I don't want them to see the game off of a, off of an iPad screen. Right. The game is played in real real time, and and I include coaches in that. Um, I want them to be able to see the game and have the ability to use their own database. You have prepared. You know that ain't working tonight. You know, and and you do you make decisions based off of what you're seeing in real time. And that is, that's the beauty of the game. So preparation is huge, but the ability to see the game is, is just as important. Um, I, I don't want the player to become a, what I call a GPS player or a GPS coach where, you know, you just, you're listening to your GPS, tell you where to go. You're not really paying attention to where, where it is you're going. Um, and I think that, I think that pendulum swinging back uh, to your point earlier, it is about balance. Um, and I think that when we see this analytics for what they are, and I think they're amazing, um, they are a tool. And that tool, you know, it's like it's, you know, there's that tool isn't there isn't specific tools for every player. It's you have to find out what it is, you know, and, um, you know, individual individualization of of coaching is big with that. So I, I, it, I, I'm a, I'm very passionate about, uh, dr- you know, drilling down on analytics. Um, and a lot of times I found that the, I use more of the information for me to understand my player and to tailor his training, uh, to prepare him for the game as opposed to, Hey, look, look at these, uh, 15, you know, I've looked at 15 pages of stats on your swing decisions. Let's walk through all 7,000 of them, you know, or, you know, just, you know, again, and you're in danger of making the guy self-conscious. We talked earlier, you got to play the game free. And so I'm, I'm hypersensitive about what I present to a player. It really is more for me to drill down on guys and tailor their training. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Great, great context. We're talking with Dave Turgeon, uh, AA manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Incredible context when it comes to analytics and results. Dave, you've been in the game for 30 years. You've seen these changes. You've lived them, for crying out loud. But I love the concept that you mentioned there, that numbers are results, you know, in in our developmental models. And and this is another humbling thing that's just happened to me over the years. You know, I wrote this little book called The Performance Plan, and it's just a little guidebook and. I never really had intentions of writing a book, but I but I wanted to throw some stuff down on on paper, and I did. And actually, there's a couple of major league organizations that have do- adopted the book and parts of the book, and I've gotten incredible notes from them. Very very flattering stuff because it's just a general, you know, how, how do you set yourself up kind of kind of a book. But one of the things we talk about in the book is the idea of results and where they lie. And you're right, they're they're in the past. They are a historical document that we use to guide. And when we talk about yeah. When we talk about the past, you know, we tell our players, hey, look back, learn from the past, learn as much as you possibly can, and then go bury it in the backyard like an old hound dog in his bone. Get rid of it. Learn from yeah. it, get rid of it, and forget about it. It's gone. Uh, but we have this three, we've had this three-word process, this three-word process that I learned, uh, and, and it kind of took from uh, the late and great Harvey Dorfman, one of the uh, groundbreaking- Oh, he's, he's 
he's one of the best. Oh, pioneering uh, sort of mental strategist coaches, mental side of the game. Harvey Dorfman was one of the great, and I was lucky enough, Turge, to spend. A, he was one of the he was one of the guys that really really influenced my development as I entered uh, professional baseball, and I got to spend some time with him in the minor leagues, but mostly in the in the major leagues to see him work with the players. But but he had this concept that I sort of broke down into, into three separate words. You have an, an approach a result in a response. And it's cool because there's a couple organizations who have written me in the last couple of years that have adopted this for their minor league players. I mean, how cool is that? That's just sharing information, man. I mean, I love it. I love that these organizations have sort of taken it and share it with their players and their players are using it to this day. But, but this simple three word approach, uh, a re- approach, result, response, you know, and, and this is the way that we would frame it up. You know, you go in with an approach, whether it's a game, a series, an at-bat, whether it's an Olympic cycle, whatever it is, a game, you know, a series with a hockey team, whatever it might be. You have an approach going into something and then you go give it your best effort. You know, with your plan strategy, you go in, you execute to the best of your knowledge. But as soon as you make contact with that ball, using a baseball analogy here, as soon as you make contact Everything else is out of your control except how hard you run to first base. That's the last thing that's in in your control. And so, you know, the result is greatly, greatly out of your control. What you do, though, after the event is over is you look back at that result and you learn from it. You respond to it and how you respond. Of course, that's a process you develop over time as well will really help you set up and guide you in, in, in forming your next approach. Approach, result, response. We've been talking about it for over 20 years on the radio show here. Such a powerful three words, but you brought it back into the, the forefront for me, just talking about what you said about results, their numbers. And, and they're, they're basically, they're a, they're a picture of the history. Just a really good context, especially for parents mm-hmm. of young athletes who are putting pressure on young athletes to perform, perform, perform. Hey, listen, it's a long game. It's a long game. And, and I love this. If you're not in the moment, if you're not in the moment, because we know that players who aren't in the moment cannot play at their potential. It's not possible. Crush you there. I lost you, buddy. Yeah, I lost you there. Got, we got there? you back. We got you back. Okay, cool. Um, I got bits and pieces, but you know, Dorfman and Carl Keel was was another one of his partners in crime. When you talked about you know Dorfman's approach, result, response piece, that is yeah. Like he, you you want to talk about distilling things down to simplicity, and um, if you if you look at you know, your approach, the results you're getting and response, preparing, executing, and then reviewing. Right. Yes. But the response, the response piece. Okay. It really, one of the things that we've, we've talked about in the past with, with other uh, coaches and our MC people is response is way better than react. Reacting tends to be, um, um, over emotional as opposed to with emotion or responding versus reacting. Meaning, you know, we, when we react, it has a tendency not to be as clear headed. When we respond, it, it just sounds like you're more present. You're kind of taking the information and you're making good sound decisions off of that. Um, so re- responding versus reacting, you know, is always a big thing, but, but I think the prepare, execute, review thing and that, which you just approach, result, response basically is the process. Yeah. Okay. Right. So uh, when, you know, when you, when you're talking about, you know, your process and nailing your process, 
um, then you're going to probably end up having really good results or leveraging whatever it is that you bring to its max, all right, or continuing to refine it. Um, I, I think that I think that is it's very important to have you know things laid out clearly like that. Um, I think so. Interesting is that Dorfman. It's Harvey. You were so. Was he? Did you get to know him with when you were with Toronto? Yes. Yep. That's where. Okay. So yep. when you were, was, was he? Did he work and consult with you guys? Yeah, he was with us. And man, oh man, um, you know, from the first day we met, we just hit it off. And and I knew there was something special going on there right away. And and uh, you know, yeah, he, he is a real special person. Really special. So he. So he was, I think the metal game of baseball was him and Carl Keel. And then, yes. and then Harvey, uh, Harvey went on the metal game of pitching, which I have and read and he's, he's so good. And, um, it's so, he's so based in reality and being present, um, that it, it's funny, you know, and, and I have it written up on my, my whiteboard here, be present, listen, those are two of the hardest things for me to do. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm 55 work in progress, uh, trying to get more self-awareness, trying to be present. It's a really, really hard thing to do. And I think one of the, the biggest takeaways I had from the Jordan, the Jordan, uh, the documentary yes. um, was, uh, I don't remember who said it, but they just said that, you know, Michael was his greatest gift was his being present, uh, and and to be able to do that with all the stuff he had going on externally, the people that wanted a piece of him, uh, having to, to, to repeat twice and show up every day and prove himself every day and just finding a way to you know I, I just I just find that amazing, um, you know, and is that something that you're born with i just believe that you you know you you're given whatever you're given but that your circumstances in life really help that i think you know i think back to you know him getting cut as a sophomore you know in high school uh from his basketball team and i think well if if that wouldn't snap you out and make you present there's really nothing else that would getting cut from a team um you know, but then he had the ability to, to do that. Um, I think is amazing. Carl Keel. When I first, when I went from playing to managing the first person I met, as I sat down at my locker, uh, I saw, you know, my head, my, my nameplate and I saw the nameplate next to me was Keel. And, um, you know, I still had my metal game baseball all tattered and, yellow highlights all over it. I had gotten into that the last four years of my career and I, I still had it. I put it in my locker and the, and this guy sits down next to me. I go, are you the guy? He's like, yeah, you know, I wrote that uh, guy named Darfman with a you know, salty guy. Uh, oh I, yeah. I said, I said, I said, uh, wow. And that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship I had with Carl Keel. Uh, I couldn't get enough. Um, and and all of his, all of Carl's work was experiential, and then tapping into absolutely absolutely all and every type of player that he ever came across or managed or coached. He had done so much in the game, and the reason I love Carl Keel was is because the he's he had an extreme high empathy level for players. 
but never would ever feel sorry for someone or anything. And um, he he was a huge impact on me and how I dealt with things and as a player. And then he kind of helped me transition. And this is, this is a completely different career, playing and then managing two different things. It's not even close. Okay. So Carl helped me transition to that. And it was all about the mental side of that transition. And um, Dorfman, uh, my opinion, um, I think he's the king. And I mean, you can argue that there's Revisa, there's some good guys out there, Kane. There's a lot of good guys out there. We've got some good guys over here with Pitt, but, um, you know, Keel for me is I have a, an unbelievable place in my heart for him because of how much he helped me. But I also understand Dorfman is an absolute stud when it came to this thing. And yeah, yeah, it, it, his stuff, his stuff is going to be ageless, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah, it is. And it's still that impacting players today. Well, Dave, listen, man, we've had you on here for almost an hour and I uh, just want to wrap it up, you know, talking about all of this stuff, you know, in our last show, we've had a, we've had an incredible series of shows here on crush performance um, since the uh, shutdown here, but you know, through May and June, uh, we've really, really, really had some great conversations with people because, you know, we're, we're talking differently in this shutdown, maybe a little more reflective, but there's some harsh realities that have set in and, and, and we've had some great conversations all revolving around how people can get better. And so I want to listen, thank you for this conversation today. This, this resonates, it's, you know, baseball might be sort of our, the arena here, but this resonates well beyond sport, even leave alone just outside of baseball. So I want to thank you for that. But before we let you go, I just want to run something by you because I value your opinion so much. Um, for the last maybe six or seven years, and this is uh, our episode last week on crush performance. And uh, we've had some great feedback from our listeners as well. But, um, you know, as we all sort of sit back and reflect here and look to get better, in crush performance, we've had priority. So I really taken uh, great pride in in um, my ability to you know work with athletes and, and create athletes that will you know go to the coaches uh, so they can optimize their playing performance. That's sort of my little niche in this whole big picture. You know, is is getting these guys as physically, mentally, just getting them prepared as athletes, holistically prepared as athletes, so they're adaptable, coachable, and they can just see how far they can go when they get to the coaches because the coaches are limited. You guys are limited in your ability to help a player, you know, by their, I missed it. by their, by their lost your crush, buddy. Oh Dang no. It, I lost you. Oh, Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. I missed that last probably almost 45 seconds. Oh shoot. I don't know what's going um, on here. It must be our connection. Yeah. Hey, I'll edit this out. So, so anyway, so I've taken, can you hear me now, Dave? I got, I got you. Okay. Hey, so listen, you now. Okay. So we'll, 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 hopefully we don't lose you here again, but, but listen, so, so we've taken great pride in, in helping athletes get ready for the coaches, you know, sending you guys the most prepared, uh, highest level of readiness athletes. So you can coach them to the promised land or to their potential, however far they can go. Uh, because even the coaches are limited in what they can do with the players by their, by their, by the player's ability. So in, in crush performance, Dave, We've had these yeah. uh, priorities of performance. Number one, above and uh, above and beyond anything else in the world of human performance, sleep, rest, and recovery. Everything we do revolves around those three parameters, and sleep's number one priority in human performance. 
Then right after that, and awesome. Chris, yeah. And then right after that, our second priority, very close, is nutrition and hydration. It's very close, but it's definitely in our world still until somebody convinces us differently. Um, it's number two. And then the third priority for us in terms of helping athletes get prepared to chase down their potential is posture, range of motion, how they function from the skeleton out, from the skeleton out, Dave. So that would be our third priority, yep. and, and it has to be addressed. And then fourth, uh, for our for our standpoint, is we teach movement and, and the comprehension of movement because that's what – I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how well you swing a bat. If you, if you have a good – if you have a good connection, if you have a good connection with how you yep. move and how your brain moves your body, you can do well. So listen, here's the discussion now. And that's been written in stone and nobody, you know, I, and I, I've said this for six and seven years, kind of a little cocky, but I say it kind of jokingly as well. Um, um, that, that those are written in stone until somebody tells us or shows us why it should be different. So here's, here's the question I posed to our listeners last week. Listen, I, I've been a big fan of the brain. One of the toughest courses I took at university was neurophysiology, you know, under, and I took psychology right to the end, uh, cause it's such a fascinating yeah. area. So we are looking to add the brain and the brain game to our hierarchy. We're think, looking at adding a fifth, a fifth element to our, our priorities of readiness and, and where, where the brain lies. We're not sure, but I wanted to get your opinion of that, of that Dave, you know, being 30 years in, in the world of baseball and the world of, of high performance sport. Are you there? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of prioritizing the brain, is that you said that's where you're at in terms of the holistic piece, right? So, yeah. So I've, I, I am so all the stuff is like you're preaching to the choir, man. And, and, you know, like I remember the first time I met you, um, was it 10 years ago, seven years ago, or we're in South Africa and talking about, you know, the guys go into the weight room and, and they emerge out of the weight room and they're stronger, slower, and don't move as bad as well as they used to. It's really probably not a good combination. And I think the ability, I always think you teach guys how to move, how to help them move, how they move better and more efficiently, I guess is a great, greater way of putting it. But I've always looked at, when I was a coordinator of instruction, I was always looking at our training in, in, two, in, two, in two ways. I would look at it as man development and mind development. Because, you know, and, and you talk about the body, you're talking about the whole thing. So man, mind, and body. So the man, mind thing is if, if our training, you know, isn't making us, you know, think better, think faster and adapt faster and pivot faster, then it's bad training. I think one of the last things for a, a young coach, manager, whatever, is to understand what learning looks like and acquiring skills and what it actually looks like. That whole body-mind connection, I think, is a major, major thing to understand. What does learning look like? And it's, it's different for some guys, but generally, it's not sexy. Right. It's slow. It's slow. It's, you know, it's faster for some, you know, than, than others, but it's, it's usually slow and ugly and messy. And, and, but to be okay with messy and to understand what learning actually looks like and, and good training and then finding balance between overwhelming someone where they're just muddling through stuff all day or to find that bend again, the word balance back to the balance thing where there's enough feel good in there, plus enough reinforcement in there. And then to go, boom, challenge mind, body, challenge my body again. 
and and see and see the learning happen again. And so that's the pull and the and the push and the art of coaching. But I think to your point in understanding the brain better and what learning looks like in the in the mind body connection, uh, I think it's a big piece of coaching. I, I really, I do. I, I just yep. believe wholeheartedly in that, and and I. You know, and I just, and again, as, as we evolve as teachers, I think, you know, you just get a little more depth of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of been our conundrum here for me, you know, does the mental side, do we need to take care of, you know, all those other things before we get the mental side or where does the brain, and I'm talking, there's, this is big, this is a big, deep topic, but where does it lie? But you've just added to, um, you've added to the push for us to uh, add the fifth priority of development. And I think it does need to be addressed up there because, you know, we have sleep, rest, recovery, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, movement, and then everything else falls into place. And we kind of had the mental game sort of as one of those next top priorities, but in order to get the most out of training, it's got to be ready to go. So, so I tell you what, we're, no question about it. Yeah, we've got, we've got a, uh, this is what we're working on here over the next couple of months here. As we work our way through July and August, we are going to be doing a deep, deep dive into the brain game as we establish the brain as a crush top priority development. There's going to be some really, really cool stuff. Stay tuned for that, everybody. And we're also, uh, we're, we're blowing the doors off the crush war on sugar because, um, you know, uh, this is something we're, yeah, we're passionate about. So that's going to be going. But Dave, you have added incredible context to everything that we talk about here in this show. And and listen, I really, really appreciate you, everything you've done for the game and all the players you've worked with. Um, and I'm really glad that our paths crossed there in South Africa years and years ago. And I look forward to more great conversations in the future. Crush, love and respect you, brother. Stay connected. Let's talk again real soon, all right? Sounds great, Church. Take care. See you, Crush. Well, there you go, everybody. That is a powerful conversation with Dave Turgeon, double-A manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Man, so a little uh, phone trouble there. We had a thunderstorm ro rolling through, and the power flickered off here a couple times, but um, I think we uh, carried on. Yeah, the show must go on. Hey, talk about adapting. There you go, adapting real time, just like we talked about in the uh, conversation, and you have to, right? Things are going to go wrong. Things are never going to be perfect. Perfect doesn't exist the idea of perfect practice doesn't even make a lot of sense. You know the, how your coaches always used to say, hey, perfect practice makes perfect? No, because the world is never perfect. So if you try to set up this perfect environment in practice, man, you could be setting yourself up for, for real, real hard times moving ahead. And that's something we see even to this very day in practice. You know, practice should be difficult, trying. It should uh, help you deal with adversity. And that's truly what getting better is all about. Such a great, great conversation with Dave Turgeon. So many gems there. You know, the numbers are the results. You know, win, win the weight. That's the big takeaway for me today. So many good things. I'm going to go back and listen to this. And hopefully you guys will listen and share this with your teammates, your coaches, teachers, your family. Such a good conversation and a great perspective from somebody who's been around High-performance sport for 30 years. He's seen all the changes. And though the platform here, the arena, is baseball, there are so many powerful messages that go beyond sport, not just beyond the sport of baseball. So I want to thank Dave Turgeon again for joining us. Listen, we're going to cut out here. It's been a great, great show. I'm glad you guys could join us. Again, please do share the show. Again, as I mentioned, coming up, we've got some big shows. We're still going to look into the return of sport. We're going to talk to some people from the NHL. We're going to look into the NBA. We're going to talk a little bit of soccer return. Uh, what are we doing with our kids? 
Can they play? Is it safe? We're going to talk to a few medical experts coming up here in the next few weeks uh, about the return and the issues with COVID. Should we rush back or should we take a step back and focus on those things that we wouldn't normally do in a competitive season? And that's the opportunity of the COVID shutdown, as we mentioned in the show today. We're also going to be doing a deep dive into the brain, as we mentioned in our conversation with Dave, as we justify the brain to become the fifth priority uh, for performance in the crush performance hierarchy. But where will it lie? Will it be number one, two, three, four, five? We're not sure. We've got to justify this, but we're quite confident based on all the feedback and everything that we've been talking about. We definitely need a fifth priority before you go on to attack your potential. There are some things that need to be addressed to set you up for success. And right now, rest, recovery, sleep, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and then teaching movement are our four priorities. Those have to be addressed if you're truly going to tap into your potential. But then there's the brain, and there are so many facets to the brain. We're going to dedicate a series of shows coming up. And again, the crush war on sugar has returned with Dr. Allen a couple weeks ago. If you haven't heard that show, go listen to that show. Powerful. Powerful stuff from one of the best minds in the nutrition world. Um, And uh, she just unleashed the beast. And we will have her on again as we continue the crush war on sugar. But we are cracking down. We're going to go back to the history and look at the start of the war on sugar. It didn't start with us. We're just trying to carry on and deliver the message because we all need to reduce our sugar, period. It's one of the biggest travesties in health right now. And uh, we're up against it. So we're going to take care of that. And that's going to be a big series coming up. So so stay tuned, anybody. And again, if you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, or if you need some help. We got a fantastic message or question last week from an expecting father. First child. An expecting father. And they know it's a boy. Uh, what do I need to do? There's four or five questions. But, but basically, what do I need to do to make sure my son grows up enjoying sport and is healthy? Oh my gosh, such a great question. And I will be writing that full answer today. It's not a short one, it's a big one. But that answer is coming down the pipeline. So thanks for all your messages. Hey, and thanks for tuning in today. We'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Now get out there, go get better. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy. Radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans. Experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry. Pro wrestling personality David Penzer. MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. And strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.